0: From American Awakening, this is Signs of Life.
1: Hello, 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 America. It's the American Awakening squad from around the country, broadcasting out to the world with the signs of life. So happy to be here with you today. It's a beautiful day where I am. I hope it's a great day where you are too. And as always, we are showing up to share some faith and hope and love and light in life to tell you that... God's got you. If nobody else is telling you that today, we're here to tell you, God's got you. And we've got some special music coming to you from Nashville, really excited about that. But first, uh, we're going to kick it over to our house worship leader, Josh Jacob. Josh, what do you say?
2: I raise you hallelujah.
1: Good. Ooh, come on, So Jay. good. Uh, all right, Joel, Sirby what do you have for us down in Gainesville, Florida today?
3: Oh, man. I mean, this week on The Daily Dose, we've been talking about radical togetherness, one of our core values here at The American Awakening. And, you know, it's easy to feel like that sounds ridiculous, right? I mean, some of you listening – Maybe far to the left, some may be far to the right, a lot may be in the middle i don 't know where you 're standing, but we look around us and it's we 've spent thousands of years perfecting the practice of dividing ourselves and becoming tribal and you know some people say two thousand sixteen was the apex of that. I think that would be wrong because uh you know we 're not killing each other in mass, although there's still certainly hate driven killings happening every day but we're just so divided in so many ways. So why would we think that radical togetherness is something that's even worth our time? And I wish I had some deep intellectual answer. I didn't go to an Ivy League school, so I don't, unlike some of the other folks on this uh, channel. You guys can give the deep philosophical answer later, but here's what I know, and, and I don't mean this lightly. I know that when I am together with other people who are not like me and we're able to get over some of the things that divide us, It just feels right. And I don't mean that like we should pursue what feels right all the time. That's not what I mean. I mean, I think deep down we all know, because I think God implanted it there, that we are created to be together. You know, the idea that uh, as scripture would tell us, God created us in his image, that we are meant to overcome the, the barriers and the things that divide us in this some mystical big sense. We are supposed to be united. And so is it comfortable to overcome differences? No. Is it easy to reach out to people who have very different viewpoints than you? No. It changes you. It it messes with you. It's hard. It's not fun sometimes. But I've always found on the other side of really trying that I have found myself closer to God and knowing who God is in me and in us. And so, you know, I don't usually say a prayer during this time, but I'm just going to say a very short prayer for us today, and I hope this is real for us. God, if you made us in your image, would you help us to see that image in one another, no matter who the other may be? Amen. Back to you, John.
1: That is a good word and a good, simple prayer, and I take that one to heart today, Joel. Thank you so much. Over to our friend in Hawaii, Jeff Bethke. How are you feeling this morning, Jeff?
4: Good, good, good morning. Good morning to you guys. Joel, it's funny you mentioned that topic today because I have a study that literally is right in line with that. It's always, yeah, I know it's fascinating. It's perfect. So 1950, this is an old experiment, actually a really popular one. So you might have heard about it. A lot of people concentrate on the lead and the headline when there's kind of how they solve this, I think uh, is actually more powerful. So they've repeated this one over and over again, but basically the study was, you know, a group of researchers took a bunch of 11-year-old boys, which that already just means it's about to be Lord of the Flies, and it was, they took a bunch of 11-year-old boys, took them to a summer camp, and they split the groups into two. Now, the, the, the boys were already split into two, so they didn't know that two groups existed. They just were put into one group, another group put into another group, and they basically just went to the, their camps and kind of like did their thing and all that. Um, had a blast and enjoyed, bonded, et cetera, together for a week. At the end of the week, then the goal, the job was the, the the two groups got put together in a camp. And over and over again, as this study was repeated, you can guess that what happened, basically, they just hated each other. So what and what was fascinating is what they found is essentially as you form bonds and relationships with a particular in-group, you weirdly almost always have to do that or define that based on an out group. Like you almost you, you almost feel threatened inherently when another group of similar peer-like people come along and you're already in a particular Group, But what they then did for the last week of the study is they then tried to figure out solutions for them to reconcile, right? And so the way that they figured out for them to reconcile is the first thing they did is just to put them together and the two groups had to do a bunch of activities together, sports, playing, leisure, go swimming in the lake, etc. And yet it actually failed. The research says it failed. They still did not like each other. They called each other names. They were mean, etc. But the only place that they started to see some kind of reconciliation is when they actually gave them missions together, meaning they actually had to work together to solve particular problems. So they would give them challenges or puzzles or problems to solve. And then all of a sudden, all their hearts, their personalities, their minds, and their relationships began to soften. And so I think obviously we know what the truth is in there. And that's that, man, I think, first of all, we're created for mission. We are people that are created to solve things together as teams. And if we're not doing those things, we almost have too much time to waste. And so we just use our time. We waste our time by just not liking each other, calling each other names and doing those weird kind of games that everyone does. And so that's the mission here, you know, that there is no them. There's only us. And I think the way that we can actually actively every day live that out is by try to solve problems together with other people. So instead of just seeing other people, like Joel said, as someone that we don't like, but see them as an image bearer of God, but actually join and unite forces with them and try to solve problems. And there's something there that just changes everything. So that's something to chew on for today.
1: Love it. That is uh, exactly on point what our partner One America uh, works to do with Christians, Muslims, and Jews. The idea of, of when you – uh, join forces to work on a common project, which is what um, Andrew Hanna and the group do is, is say, hey, you know what? Uh, opioids uh, in West Virginia, that issue is not a Christian issue. It's not a Muslim issue. It's not a Jewish issue. It's not a left issue. It's not a right issue. It's a human issue. So let's let's figure out how to serve in that capacity. And somehow or other, exactly. it helps people see there's something bigger going on out there. So um, help can come from surprising places. It's going to be the discussion topic of the day. Uh, A little later on, we've got David Leonard coming from uh, Nashville. But now we're going to kick it over to Marissa to take the segment.
0: I'll take on a few of these stories. So yeah, again, first, so Belgian researchers today uh, published some findings that – uh, a four-year-old llama named Winter apparently has some antibodies that have neutralized uh, several viruses, including SARS and now corona. This llama has some antibodies and uh, they they think that they can work on it in, uh, in some pilot testing. Uh, they're working to make sure that, one, first of all, it's safe to inject humans with llama antibodies, because of course that's not like a definite thing. Um, but they really think that in several months, uh, if that testing goes well, that uh, that there could be something there to help prevent healthy people from getting corona. They're especially working hard uh, to make sure that folks who are working on the front lines um, can, again, keep working to save us um, and protect themselves at the same time. So that's great. We're rooting for them. And uh, thank you, uh, Winter the Llama. We're excited to see what can come from you. Second thing, uh, Native American communities uh, have really been struggling hard during Corona. Um, Both the, you know, the virus has been ravaging communities, but also, again, um, economically. They were, you know, dealing um, with rough times before. This has just made it even worse. Um, They actually, even several communities got together and sued the federal government uh, several weeks ago because money that was set aside for them hadn't actually made its way to them. A bunch of people have been uh, working on their behalf to try to get uh, testing and food and all sorts of things into communities. And uh, in a GoFundMe campaign um, that was raising money for the Navajo Nation and the Hopi Reservation, they they got a surge of of donations. And apparently the donations are from uh, folks who are in Ireland, the Irish. Um, And folks at first didn't understand why that was. Apparently, in 1847, members of the Choctaw Nation provided $170, which is about $5,000 today. They provided them that money in relief um, during the famine. And uh, it was not long after uh, the folks who were, uh, well, the Choctaw who gave to them, they had, you know, they were dying from starvation and disease because of the Trail of Tears. Anyway, they gave that money to them. Um, and after all these years, the Irish have remembered. And so folks have been leaving notes with their donations that say things like, Ireland remembers, or from Ireland, 170 years later, the favor is returned. Um, And so folks are wishing them well. Apparently this GoFundMe campaign has raised more than $2.6 million to give groceries, water, supplies, and fabric to something called the Rural Utah Project Education Fund. And the money from the Irish uh, has come to about a half a million dollars. So pay it forward, folks. Who knows when it'll come back to you? Um, That's a good thing. Well, so, okay. Our discussion topic today, um, you know, again, we have some fun stories, and that's good. Uh, but in the vein of uh, Pastor Joel, you know, we're talking about radical togetherness. It's a cornerstone principle of who we are. It's it's what we're about. Um, and if you're anything like me, you've been very disturbed um, over the past few weeks. You know, we're already dealing with Corona, but there's a lot of stories that are coming out—violence, uh, hatred, murder—around the country. Uh, for instance, again, as A lot of you may already know, some of you may unfortunately have experienced um, racist attacks against Asian Americans have skyrocketed since corona hit us. This past Monday in Michigan, a family dollar store security guard was shot dead after telling a customer to just wear a mask, which is state protocol. It's a mandate there. It's what people have to do. Um, that was that was Monday. On Tuesday, a customer wore what appeared to be a KKK hood in a grocery store um, and repeatedly ignored staff requests to remove it. And then just yesterday, two McDonald's employees in Oklahoma City were shot after uh, two customers who had bought food uh, were told to leave the dining area because, of course, coronavirus restrictions. And for the past few days, um, appalled citizens around the country, including a lot of faith leaders, have been calling attention to the Ahmad Arbery case. Ahmad was a Black man who was followed uh, for a bit and shot down in the middle of the street while jogging in Georgia back in February all of which was captured on video and that video has been you know shared and reshared all across the internet and the case is especially infuriating um, to people because apparently local law enforcement down there are saying they can't sort of pursue much and definitely can't arrest anyone because of corona restrictions. So I know people, we all know people are very scared. They are confused. Lots of folks now are unemployed and everybody's feeling a lot of emotion that's bubbling to the surface around the country. So guys, we're we're Christians. We're believers. We know there's a lot of scripture that talks about how we're supposed to be peacemakers. We mentioned that earlier this week, how we're supposed to pursue unity, how we're supposed to walk together as one. With everything that's going on in the nation right now, everything's heightened. What are some practical things that we can all do, things that we can implement to help bring some peace and some unity to our immediate communities? Not even big things up here, but right now where we are, how can people latch onto something that can help bring some peace? Pastor Joel, what have you been yeah. what have you been hearing from friends of yours in your community?
3: Yeah, I mean, my friends of color, especially, are just really broken over over what's happening. And I think as as a white person, especially, I'll speak to to white folks who may be listening or, or watching you know, what I've heard from my friends is I've really just sat and listened with them and tried to just mourn and weep and call for justice in my own ways um, is it, not only to listen and to hear, but to be an advocate. You know, a, we talked about another day from a position of power. What do we do with our power? What do we do if we have a certain kind of privilege? And I'm just a believer that you give it up for, for the good of others and for justice. And so to the extent that I can, I'm willing, and, and I'm just saying that out loud, so I have, I have some practical thoughts or one really practical thing to come back to it, but I don't want to, let, let's keep this thread going and, and maybe I can share the other one.
0: Calvin, hmm. I know you've been, uh, you've been thinking a lot about what's been going on again in Asian American communities. It's been close to your heart. What are you thinking as a man of faith?
5: Yeah, I think there's a tension of, of a deep lamenting of brothers and sisters. And and honestly, it, it feels like a condition, right? I mean, Joel was talking about power and privilege, but, but even, Beneath the injustice, it seems like there there's a, a heart problem, right? There there's there's something broken there, and I think that brokenness. The reality is that it lies in all of us. You know what I mean? It's it's not just the assailant. It's not it's not just the aggressor. But it, but it the reality is that whether you're the victim or the uh, assailant, that yeah, we're all broken. And so I think there there's a grace there. But uh, yeah, especially with the Asian American, I guess or. The rise in, in violence and in discrimination, I think, again, this is, we're just getting a taste of what our, our African-American brothers and sisters have been experiencing for a long time. But nonetheless, uh, there has been a, a heart to, to do something and, and respond in a way that is, is grace-driven. I think something that has always stuck to me is this idea that, that grace wins, that grace will break through. Um, kind of like to to go back to C.S. Lewis and the line in *The Witch and the Wardrobe*, Aslan talks about this old magic, right? That that he had to pay the cost. He had to he had to give his life, and that would break whatever magic the the witch was uh, kind of counting on. And so, forgive me for diehard C.S. Lewis fans. I know I'm butchering the story, so forgive me. But but again, that that old magic, right? This idea that grace wins. So I think there it seems like what the gospel does is it it flips um as it does with so many things it flips um the narrative of of victimhood into uh, as victims we can actually be leaders in in the balls in our court what how we respond and how we can show grace actually may be the most potent thing we do that can actually transform hearts and therefore by transforming hearts transform culture, our structures and systems. And so I think yeah there there has been a desire to call forth, especially, um, as an Asian American, my Asian American brothers and sisters, that hey, let's let's lean in with grace here rather than um by shame or, or shame or, or pointing out or demanding um reformation. So
0: hmm. JK, I know you've been you've been working on togetherness for decades. This is this is who you are. How have you been sort of working through this? What are what are your thoughts as a man of faith leading, you know, the charge, folks coming together?
1: Yeah, I wish I had something um particularly insightful to offer on this, but I, I think I think the nub of it is to stay in both spaces at the same time. Um, you know, your your heart uh is heavy with with lament and it has to be, right? How how could it not be? You know, I don't, I don't know a mod story, but but um, you know, young life, seemingly of great innocence, just snuffed out for no reason and and and, and symbolic and indicative of 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 so, so much wrong over so long. So how can you not just sort of sit and and the sorrow of that um but at the same time what calvin said is also true it's the the old magic is stronger and um love does ultimately win um justice and truth will win out in the end you know there's a great um saying about her storyline which is the effect of you know i've read to the end of the story i've read the last chapter I know it's a good ending, and so somehow, somehow, living in both spaces of the sadness of it, but also, um, you know, as we've talked about in, um, in in past discussions together, you know, lassoing heaven and dragging it forward into this day, as as Jeff was sharing with us, channeling N.T. Wright as cowboy. Um, so yeah, so I I, I that's I, I think that's the duality, the now and the not yet, the tension we live in. Um, but you can't you can't skip past the sorrow, you just can't. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Jeff, what have you been wrestling with? I've seen I've seen your comments on online too and referring yeah. us to some great leaders who are saying some cool things.
4: Yeah, I mean, nothing that I'll say is any different than what anyone else has said, but I do think um, such a hard time. It's, you know, I think that, yeah, we have to, truth has to be told. There has to be deep truth telling before there can be deep healing. Those go hand in hand. And we have such a problem in our society with thinking healing means glossing over, getting over it, not paying attention. And I just feel like there's, you know, Christians out of anyone else in the world, the hard part about that equation of deep truth telling means deep healing is, understandably so, the hard part about that is that 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 takes such huge amounts of vulnerability and really uh, almost just completely spotlights our insecurity, right? Because you have to say this, like you have to really own something. Now, a lot of people, because they're not followers of Jesus, understandably so, then that's very difficult to do because that goes right to a center of their identity that makes them kind of like, you know, oh, if this is who I am, you know what I mean? Um, But it's it's the opposite is true as followers of Jesus. Like we should be the freest to admit failure, to say this needs to change and to tell truth because our standing is not our own. Jesus is our righteous, perfect advocate and standing. So we should just, it's kind of like, you know, when I used to play sports, you know, I performed way better on the baseball field when I didn't care really how I played anymore. You know what I mean? Because you just kind of are like, I'm just going to go out and you just you're so free to fail that you then can kind of just leave it all out on the line. And I think that's true uh, of this stuff. We we're 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 free to be vulnerable as followers of Jesus, so we need to lead there, you know. And I don't think we're doing a very good job of leading leading in that.
0: Yeah, you know, I totally agree, and I I think this whole notion of uh, of truth telling, right? I mean. For so long, again, we we want to be, we want to be nice. We don't want to ruffle any feathers um inside and outside the church. We want, you know, we, we want people to be okay with us and them. I wonder if it's if it's time really, quite honestly, for people of good intent, people of faith to be, you know, sort of holding folks accountable. And when I say that, I just mean like. Like we all hear when people say things, we all hear comments, we all hear things that are not affirming of other people. Um, people are, you know, speaking their truth a lot of times whenever they want to. And I wonder if it's just time for a lot of us to to speak our truth as well and to say, you know what, I don't know. I I, I don't know if Jesus feels that, that those people are, uh, are so unworthy of respect, maybe as, as you do. I think, I think God kind of created them and everybody else with purpose and with identity and with meaning. And I think we should all kind of, I think if we're Jesus people, I think we should affirm that. Really, come what may, speak the truth. Some things in terms of demeaning other people, devaluing other people, thinking you could do whatever you want to to people, that's, that's not the Jesus way. He wouldn't have done it, and we shouldn't allow it either.
1: Thank you for teeing that up, Marissa. Thank you for sharing your insights, your wonderful insights, as always. And all, all you guys, that was fantastic stuff. Uh, we'll wrap this portion of the show with uh, a little movie line action. Jeff Bethke, you got that for us, brother?
4: Yes. What? Well, this one's been waiting in the queue for like a week. This is a good one, and I'm I'm super excited. We are Marshall. Good choice again, Marissa, as always. So, yeah, Marina, go ahead and show it. You've got to lay that heart on the line, man.
3: From the soles of your feet, with every ounce of blood you've got in your body, lay it on the line until the final whistle blows. And if you do that, if you do that, we cannot lose. We may be behind on the scoreboard at the end of the game, but if you play like that, we cannot be defeated.
5: The young thunder and herd. Oh, thanks so much,
1: Marissa. All right, now to Nashville and Dan hazeltine and David Leonard.
6: Looking forward to seeing you all. There we go. Hi, hello from Nashville. Uh, actually, hey. out in Franklin. And I should just mention, I I actually really love the conversation you all are having today. I, I feel like it's it's pretty important. Um, I I actually have gotten a lot of good uh, help from a book by Ibram X Kendi called How to Be an anti-racist that actually is a really great resource and as you guys you know just to just to step in line with you on that it, it matters that we we understand where um where racist thoughts promote racist ideas and turn into inequity among people and you know we a lot of people balk at that idea of being called a racist um and, and it is a, it's a hard thing to take on because it, it carries a lot with it. But it also represents just areas where we look at other people and we don't see them as our equal. And we do it in a lot of different ways for a lot of different reasons. Um, but we've been somewhat brought up and trained to do that. And I, I live in a Civil War town right now. And we are having that conversation every day where we live, uh, what it looks like to be in that kind of space. So just to reiterate, the conversation is so important. Uh, it's important every day, not, not simply when we are presented with information about uh, a circumstance that happens, but also, uh, just every day, it should be part of our practice to recognize where are we treating people? Where are we thinking about people uh, as less than ourselves? So, um, I totally agree with that. Um, it's my great privilege today our musical guest is uh, David Leonard uh, a couple things. and if if you if you follow David Leonard's uh, on a broader scale I should just mention our David Leonard today is not a New Zealand cricket player uh, and our David Leonard today is also not the producer for um, Toto's four album which was a great record Not the same but David we're record ladies oh, yes Yes. So um, but who David actually is, is a wonderful musician, founder of the group, All Sons and Daughters, the duo, uh, really a kind of a breakout uh, folk Christian worship project. And uh, who is now also a worship leader, um, got to start uh, making music as part of the Jackson Waters group has also collaborated with will mcginnis and mark stewart from audio adrenaline on the no hope collective which is k-n-o-w hope collective had just some great um crossover success i think between the folk community and the christian community and i uh i'm just grateful to have him on the show today he is just uh he's kind of a neighbor to me because he's also coming from franklin tennessee i believe so david how are you today
7: I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. It's
6: good to be on this thing. Man, I appreciate you being on. Are you holding up okay? This is the first question I get to ask everyone because this is such a strange season for really everybody, but for musicians, um, trying to figure out a way to connect with with audiences and just, you know, either being creative or not being creative based on the anxiety levels. How are you holding up these days?
7: Yeah, I mean, the first couple of weeks were were pretty tough especially you know especially here in nashville where it was raining every day for the first yeah. month so depression was was setting in pretty heavily but i run a studio in downtown franklin and so we we shut the doors and end ended up moving a lot of stuff back here to my house and um so even like the the change of scenery was a was a cool spark of creativity and it, it's come in waves there's been moments where I, I feel like I have nothing to contribute and then there's been moments where I've, I feel like the hose is opening up you know uh,
6: enjoying the challenges that I have and, that's great now now you also have kind of a particular challenge which is that you also are a worship leader, correct? Yeah and so you have to um, you have to figure out how to kind of lead congregationally, via uh, a computer and a camera or some other form. And how has that been for you? It's been convicting, man. It's like uh,
7: I didn't realize how much I was charged by the, the interaction between me and the congregation. And it's like this interesting kind of place that we put ourselves in. It's so much about this interaction of, of trying to give back to God or to respond to God and realizing quickly that I'm, um, I am charged by uh, the congregation greatly, and so it's it's been an eye opener of going okay, hey, even when you don't have something that you can feed off of, can you still respond to me? Can you still have moments of of yeah. real beauty? And the first couple of weeks were really hard. It was it was tough, but um, I feel like God's been opening up my eyes to to new things and. And new ways of being able to yeah. connect with Him. This this whole like communal side of it, it, it it's kind of interesting to have this new like individualistic side of worship and what it means to just respond me and and God. And so it's gonna it's yeah. crazy. It's a it's a cool time though, man. For for all of this stuff, it, it's it's creating new uh, new tools in the toolbox for
6: sure. That's good. That's great. Well, speaking of tools in your toolbox, you know I, I respect and love the music that you're making and writing, and and so I was hoping that maybe you'd be able to play a song for us today. Do you have anything in yeah. your toolbox that you could you could yeah. share with us?
7: Through the discussion and all this stuff today, I've I've thought about a song I have called "Share This Burden." Felt like it could work
6: for this song.
8: Sometimes I'm too tired to pray. Cause it feels like nothing ever changes, but I never really say it. It's so hard to say it. The more I try to pretend, the more the weight caves in, and I can't stop it. No, I can't stop my soul from crying out. My soul keeps crying out Oh Lord And I'm screaming inside Somebody take a load off of my shoulders It's too heavy I can't hold it no more No more I wasn't meant to get fall down to rise. If I want to live, I got to die. I got to know the darkness to show the light. And my soul keeps crying out. My soul keeps crying out. Bird Brothers Sisters We gotta share this burden We gotta share this burden Brothers Sisters We gotta share we gotta share this somebody
6: Oh, man. It, you know, I've got a couple songs in that I play with my band and, and we finished them and it's hard to know how to follow it up. This feels like one of those for you. <laughs> it's like you finish the song. It's like, well, where do you go from here? Uh, but such a great uh, and powerful uh, message that I think we do all need to hear. Old Irish words. It is in the shelter of each other that the people will live. And that idea of just sharing the burden is is potent. It matters. Um, so what uh what has changed for you in terms of like so you've had to pick now songs that would normally be congregational when you're playing for people uh at a church. What are the kinds of songs that come to mind now? Like what a has that shifted at all, being that you're a sort of a solitary presence reaching out to people? How like how is your song choices uh, been affected by the fact of your space and presence and the way that you're having to communicate now.
7: Yeah. I mean, I, a lot of it greatly is dictated by whatever's being talked about that week, but then also just trying to have as many conversations with people in the congregation as possible. That, that's always been kind of a key thing for me and for us when we were doing All Sons and Daughters at the church it was, you always, we always had to know who was sitting in the seats and what people were walking through. Community has always been such a huge part of that. It's hard to lead a congregation if you don't know who's sitting in the seats. And so trying to dive in with as many conversations as possible with people and trying to keep my ear to the ground of, of what I feel like um,
6: God's stirring in, in each and every one of us. And
7: it's been, it's been fun. It's been challenging, but
6: but good at the same time. Thank you for Taking that work seriously and connecting with your congregation and making those uh, those opportunities happen. Do you have another song for us? Would you be willing to play another yeah. song? Yeah, absolutely. Really? We'd love to hear something yeah. else.
7: You guys keep saying signs of life. I have a song called Signs of
8: Life. I ever wanted with somebody to tell me it's okay. My head, I'm in my heart It's such a desolate place Walking on the surface of the moon I feel so far away It's always the same situation For me every day I might be lonely, might be tired But at least it's safe And I keep shouting But my words keep getting lost in space And I've been looking for signs Signs of life And I found In you oh, Yeah I found In you oh, Yeah And I've been searching The skies like some kind Of satellite Yeah I found cycle in the circle of flames you were the water drowned in the lies I couldn't name like a crashing sound on these ashes now when I'm drifting out put me back We burn like stars in the dead of night. We're not alone in this darkness. We burn like stars in the dead of night. We're not alone in this darkness. We burn like stars in the dead of night. We're not alone in this darkness. We burn like stars in the dead of night for signs looking for signs of light
6: David Leonard, thanks so much for being with us today. Um, It's just a real, real gift to be able to hear some of your music and just, just wonderful. So thank you so much for spending time with us. Uh, We do hope that you, uh, you know, in your world and the work that you're doing, uh, the calling that you have, that you would continue to have strength and uh, endurance, resilience, keep reaching out to your folks. I think that's, that's a big piece of this. So thanks so much. Thankful for what you're doing. It's
1: great to be with you, David, Dan, um, and the rest of the Signs of Life squad. We're thankful for all of you out there. We're uh, keeping in our prayers every day. We we gather to pray for everybody's out there um, struggling through this tough time. God's got you. You're going to make it through this time of adversity. It's not going to be easy. It never is when it's hard. But uh, on the other side, um, there is the end of the story. The end of the story is a good one. We've read the last uh, chapter in the book and, and that tells us that uh, all is going to turn out right. Till we see you tomorrow, God bless you all and keep fighting the good fight.
0: Signs of Life is produced by American Awakening, a campaign for the soul of America committed to slaying the giant of death and despair in this American moment. Signs of Life is made up of Jefferson Bethke, Dan Hazeltine, Josh Jacob, John Kingston, Joel Searby, Calvin Lee, Christian Palacios, Marina Pappas, Andy Peterson, and me, Marissa Prince. The show is produced from our headquarters in Lexington, Massachusetts, and you can learn a whole lot more about the movement by visiting our website, AmericanAwakening.us. Relevant Podcast
6: Network.